Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast is brought to you by Becker Furniture World, Franzen Bank and Trust, Menards, and Carrier. Cool. And welcome back to the Star Tribune Talking Preps Podcast. I'm David Levake with Jim Paulson. Jim, it's really been a string of nice days, kind of cool temperatures, very fall-like, very football like and and yet we don't have any outlet for for those things and how, how are you doing with all this <laughs> yeah, well um this weekend uh thursday and friday would be the opening weekend of high school football and um i'm definitely we're definitely gonna gonna feel that loss i'm, I'm pretty sure i was looking at just looking at the schedule today and seeing who would be playing this weekend what were the what would the games we'd be looking at would be um Totino Grayson Lakeville South would be playing Thursday night. Wyzetta would be playing at Blaine. You know, Lakeville North would have Woodbury. So we'd have you know Osseo and Creton Durham Hall. So we'd have you know games to look forward to. Eden Prairie and well, Roseville. But um there'd be games to look forward to out there. Rose Mountain Prior Lake would have been a good one coming up Thursday. So there's a lot of good football we'll be missing this weekend. Um I'm just turning my eye towards March, and that's uh, March always says football to me. <laughs> yeah, that'll be strange. You know, we get out of you know if if we have winter tournaments, and and you can't say anything with any certainty anymore. But if we have winter tournaments, then we got football starting right on top of that. It's usually the other way around. I've I've been at prep bowls in the past where I've been making my final calls to be up to speed as possible on boys hockey you know yep. and now it'll be reverse you know you'll be at the boys hockey tournament potentially and putting the finishing touches on our football preview coverage very very strange yeah no kidding yeah it would have been yeah the, it would have been this weekend would have been the i guess we'll call it the unofficial start to the season because we still have zero week games we still have a few of those and those would have, have already come and gone uh but but yeah that i think those are good for the teams that need them but, but, yeah, as far as everybody else and, and the bulk of the attention and, and the interest is certainly the, the Labor Day weekend opening double shot. So, it, yeah, mm-hmm. one, of those, one of those things that's to be missed for sure. It hasn't stopped you, though, from getting out and covering uh, very important topics, football-related. And uh, you were uh, the driver on both of these things. So where, where do you want to jump in? Well, you know, there's two football um, items that we can talk about. One is the fact that uh, while there was an awful lot of talk when the MSHSL decided to uh, postpone football season until spring about people transferring, it hasn't actually happened very often. But there are two players um, from Stewartville who actually did transfer, two very good players, to play in a neighboring state. Uh, Josh Burry, a running back with um, you know some um, – FCS level um, Division One offers, and then a lineman named Parker Theobald. They both transferred from Stewartville to uh, uh, Brookings, South Dakota. Um, and so they're the first two that we know definitively of Minnesota players that have decided that it was in their best interest to play football in the fall and not wait till the spring and have made that step. Um, we've heard rumors of others, but it's hard to confirm, and I know that each state has um, transfer rules and guidelines in which you have to abide you know, in terms of establishing residency that make it much more difficult. 
Um, there's another kid at Mankato East who had been, you hear that he's going to transfer, then he's not, then he's going on, then he's not. Right now it seems like it's the possibility is on again that he might be uh, making that transfer. I'm not going to name him but because uh, he hasn't made the decision. But uh, those are what I'm hearing, that there are some kids that have actually done it. The problem I have with uh, the two kids from South Dakota, from Stewartville to South Dakota, and is that they're not willing to talk about it. I've been reaching out to every avenue I can, to attempt, you know, every every coach, administrator, writer, anybody I know to try to come, and, and the kids themselves, and I'm not getting any response. I'm not sure why they're not willing to tell their story or go on record and explain it. I mean, it, it's 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 kind of a public record. You can't hide. You know, you're not you're not playing anonymous football here. We know that you're on the rosters, and we know the transfers is made. To me, it seems like if you made the decision for your own we uh, reasoning that is up to you, um, then own it. Let's tell us about it. You know, I don't think there's any reason to shy away from talking about uh, why you made that decision. No one's going to judge you. I think in this day and age, everybody knows that these circumstances are so odd and unique that it's hard to fault anybody for making a decision they think is in their best interest. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious as to why, uh, the parents and the players and the coaches of these kids are unwilling to go on record and talk about their move, but they did. And, well, and so far, so far it's, it's working out for both of them. Well, they will be judged, <laughs> yeah. you know, not, maybe not by us. I mean, that, our, our work is to just present the information and give them their say, but will they be judged in the court of online public opinion? Yes, because they don't, they cease to become football players in that moment. They become pawns in this, large divide about where you fit in on the coronavirus spectrum. And it's a very, very divided topic, uh, which is unfortunate because it's, it affects all of us, regardless of your political affiliation and, and everything else. But, but yes, they will fall into that. And maybe that's why they're, you know, a little hesitant. I, I hope it's that. And I hope it's not a case where the kids were, are sort of along for the ride on this one. You know, that that's my hope. My hope is that they actually were excited about this, maybe researched it some, you know, they're the ones that came up with the Brookings for in whatever context they may have had. You hope it's, it's, it's kid driven and, and kid approved and not just, well, uh, well my, my, my parents who are supposed to love me and look out for me, I'll, I'll take their word for it. that This is going to all work out right. You hope it's, you hope the kids had some say in this. No, I, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think that the court of public opinion would be as harsh as it might be, considering the circumstances. Because there's a, still a lot of people that uh, are, are feeling a little bit raw about not being able to play football. I mean, you hear a lot of people that will understand. You now they give lip service to the right way, saying it's all in this name of safety for the kids. But it, it rubs some people the wrong way. I mean, you see it with college football that uh, there's still people in the big 10 that are, that are upset and, and, you know, chiding people and putting up uh, uh, protests. And so I, I think there's people in, in football that would look at it and I think would understand, but you're right. It, it does make them kind of a, a lightning rod for opinions one way or the other. And believe this, nobody is ambivalent. Everybody has a, an opinion one way or the other. Um, so I can understand why maybe that's why they're hesitant to, uh, to give it any publicity. The interesting part is why Brookings? That's one thing I'm wondering because I know uh, right. five nine running back runs about a four five forty. He's a 
shifty little scat back type, the perfect type of you know, kind of a wing back, you know, slot back kind of a guy. Um, and it just so happens that South Brookings is in uh, where is where South Dakota State is uh, based university. And I, from what I heard, is that the high school football team plays in a field that is basically in the you know, a stone's throw away from the SDSU coach John Stiglmeyer's house, and SDSU isn't playing football this fall, so it's a perfect opportunity for them to be, you know, on the stage and kind of trying out for a, a team like that. Uh, I, I'm not sure if Parker Theobald, the lineman, is at that level, but I do know he's also got at least one offer from Northern State in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and that's, you know, not that far away from where they are either. So that could have something to do with it. That there's a, a they're going to be on stage in colleges that they have opportunities to play for. Um, but that's just speculation on my part. I, I can't say for sure. Well, these are the two football players here and now. Um, we didn't start the blog, I guess, until what, the middle of last month. So I don't remember if we got into this or not, but I had, I had written about uh, a certified star football player, Dorian Singer from Tartan, uh, who left to transfer to a high school in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And he said it's, it was for him, it was about the recognition uh, concerns. He, he, he really, he said he was the only three-star receiver from the Midwest without a, a power five conference offer. Uh, even though he had 13 division one offers at this time in mid July. Uh, so that was a, a big uh, motivator for him. Uh, he was at, off to a high school in Phoenix called Pinnacle. Well, and not long after that, Michael Olowo, if I hope I'm pronouncing that young man's uh, name yeah, from Rogers, from Rogers, announced he was going to Pinnacle. <laughs> and, you know, with all due respect, uh, Michael didn't have quite the same credentials as a high school player that, that Dorian had assembled for himself to this point. I'm sure Michael's a fine player, and you know, brings a lot to a team. But but so now you have these two guys, skill position guys you know, leaving not just Minnesota for Arizona, but for a very specific high school in Arizona. That was, that was interesting to me, this, this little pipeline that, that suddenly formed. You know, and they both transferred. I guess you could indirectly attribute their transfers to um, the COVID pandemic because Dorian talked about not getting the, uh, the um, exposure that he'd hoped. And because of that pandemic, a lot of the, camps and combines and individual workouts and all the things that go into off-season recruiting um, and the things that are very important to off-season recruiting were canceled this year. So a lot of them, out of these kids had uh, um, an entire recruiting season taken away from them. So they weren't getting the exposure they wanted. And with the Minnesota season still up in the air when they both transferred, I think they probably looked at it and said, hey, you know, we're not going to get a chance to show our stuff to anybody if we don't do this now. So uh, I can understand the reasoning. Um, it's not directly attributed to the Minnesota's uh, high school league's decision to postpone the season, but it is an indirect um, byproduct of it. Um, there was another high level defensive back from Minnesota that transferred as well, but he did that last, it might've been right at the end of last football season, SMB, a kid named Trayvon Howard. Uh, who I think transferred down last winter to uh, IMG Academy in Florida. So we we have lost a few top football players to uh, um, 
transfers for better exposure. And it's kind of following a trend that you've seen in basketball and hockey and other sports for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, you can point to it in every sport and, uh, you hope it works out for them. You know, you hope it works out for all of them that leave, um, whatever your opinion is on whether or not kids need to worry about accelerating, uh, their progress or, or whatever their, their motivations might be. Um, well, you've got a daughter, Dave. She's going to be in the college age soon. You know, college education's costs are nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I know that we people scoff frequently at the idea of earning a scholarship, and you see these numbers that the various federations and high school leagues put out about how many kids actually get a scholarship. But if you do have that 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 chance, and you are a kid on that scholarship pipeline, you want to make sure you cement those uh that reputation as much as you can because um, you, you know college costs are so prohibitive these days i don't blame people for taking those sorts of steps i really don't so you covered players leaving we've covered players leaving uh we've covered football it isn't happening but you've also got some uh, you got a blog today a really interesting blog on five student athletes who attend a minnesota high school who are in Minnesota and are playing football. So they're, they're in the minority of minorities as, as things go this fall. Enlighten us, please. So as, as um, I tentatively, now we don't know everybody, but I tentatively thought that they might be the only five players from Minnesota that are enrolled at a Minnesota high school that are actually playing football. They're in Campbell Tinta, a tiny school on the Western edge of Minnesota, about 60 some students, uh, eight grades seven through 12 that uh, has a uh, cooperative agreement, a, a tri-state cooperative agreement with Fairmount, North Dakota, and Ross Holt, South Dakota, called the Tri-State Tigers. And they play in uh, the North Dakota High School Athletic Association, so under, under that umbrella. And they've already played two games. And uh, there's five players from Minnesota, three seniors. Um, I think it's Tate Freeberg, and, and all the names escape me. But... Um, and, and they're the only ones that, that I know of that have actually played a high school football game this year and are enrolled, enrolled in a, in a Minnesota, Minnesota school. Now, they haven't actually began schooling yet. I think they begin next week. So, um, but they, are, they have played the, um, two games already. It's the team, the Tri-State Tigers, are one-on-one. -on -one. And they talked about how they were nervous that North Dakota was going to cancel um, high school football or at least postpone it. And how thrilled or stoked, as one of the players told me, when they found out that uh, that they were going to get to play. Uh, they also said that a lot of them know Minnesota players. Um, one of the kids I talked to actually grew up in Wheaton, which isn't too far away, and uh, knew a lot of kids there when before he moved um, to uh, Campbell Tinta. And he knew that how bombed they were that they weren't going to get a chance to play. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. There are some kids out there playing football. Um, just that go to a Minnesota school. Uh, there are a few other schools that have the possibility. There's a cooperative named, uh, I think it's Esteline Hendricks in South Dakota, Esteline, South Dakota, and Hendricks is Minnesota. Um, I'm sure that there's some football players on that co-op as well. However, that team hasn't played a game yet because they had their first two games postponed, actually, I think canceled due to a couple of COVID uh, positive tests. So at this point, and somebody can correct me. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to know if somebody else is out doing this. Uh, they're the only Minnesota kids I know of that are actually playing football this fall that are still enrolled in Minnesota. 
Well, the easy way, of course, anytime you write something like that is the magical uh, phrase believed to be believed to be. Right. That, that's your that's your legal disclaimer. <laughs> you, you wrote everything you could based on what you knew at that time. At, at the time I wrote it, I believe this to be correct. And if you want to enlighten us, we'll change it. That's that's the beauty of believed to be. You know, and the great thing about this story is it's, you know, you've got three different things you can you know focus on. Three states, one team. That's pretty, I, I haven't heard of that before. I've, I've heard uh, that's probably happened once or twice, but that, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. You've got the kids playing football uh, from a state that's you know, postponed football. And the coach, uh, Fernando Reese, um, and this northern, western, northwestern Minnesota, eastern uh, North Dakota and South Dakota prairie land, farmland out there. He grew up in Lexington, Mississippi played college football at Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, how he ended up in this area, he doesn't know how he ended up there. I know he was playing some semi-pro football for a team in Fargo a few years back. And uh, he just kind of you know, stayed in the area and lives in Wapaton. And now he's, uh, he and uh, a few of his other former players, it looks like, from that Fargo team are, are coaching the, uh, the Tri-State Tigers. So uh, it's, it's a really, really interesting team. He said he knew nothing about nine-man football until he uh, joined the coaching staff there three years ago. He had one year as a defensive coordinator and two years now as a head coach. So it's uh, um, there's a good story just about anywhere you look. You just have to, you know, be willing to dig a little bit. So Yeah. On that uh, on that note, am I, should I tease what we've got coming for Sunday? Is this the right time to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So we had this idea that the absence of – football was an opportunity to to really amplify its importance around the state and the, the communities and so we had this idea that let's take that concept and let's bring it to greater minnesota and let's get a, a snapshot of of what friday night would have looked like um in in towns in outside of the metro in greater minnesota and uh we chose from the list of, of last year's prep bowl champions, we ended up choosing uh, Blooming Prairie, which was the uh, single A champ, and then Ricori, which is uh, located in Cold Spring. And, and you have to, that was a four A champion, is that right? Yep. Okay. So I'll be he'll be heading to Ricori on Thursday because that was supposed to be their home opener, and I'll be heading to Blooming Prairie on Friday, which was going to be their home opener, to provide that snapshot of, of football and, and what's being missed on, on, on these nights when there won't be football stadium lights blazing. Well, I, I will have to um, make one small correction there. Uh, uh -oh. He had to fudge it a little bit. Ricori, I think, would have been starting the season at Fergus Falls on Thursday. Okay. But because, you know, we wanted to write, we wanted to look and see what's doing to Ricori, and it's still a Friday night, I can – work around that because they're still excited anytime you're around a team and you know when you're in class during the day and all the kids wear their jerseys and i remember when i played football i never thought about class and you know what would be to me if i had a big test on a friday of a football game because your thoughts were always somewhere else um and you know the community knows there's gonna be no football in uh in recording and that's a, a very very strong athletic school um, Recori is. They've been good. They're good in just about anything they do, the basketball and 
and uh, baseball and football and their, their sports. And they've had some big games come out of there. You've all heard of Eric Decker. He was a Brokawi football player. So, uh, And then you, you're going to Blooming Prairie, and that was a team that I think get, everybody thought they were going to lose in the prep bowl last year to Bold, which is a team that I think was on, we thought was going to roll over them. And Blooming Prairie just finished up an undefeated season and manhandled them in that game. That was a, a heck of a coming out party for the awesome Blossoms. They were truly awesome in that game. I was talking to somebody down there doing some interviews ahead of time, and I had to go back and, and try to figure out when they played uh, in the prep bowl because it's a two-day event, of course. And so when I found the note that said that they played at 10 a.m. on Friday, it was connected to our picks segment in which both of us picked a bowl to win. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So show what we know. <laughs> well, you know what? Bold had a, had, a, had a couple of players, including a, a quarterback who's also been a pitcher that I think pitched a no-hitter in the uh, state championship baseball game the year the spring before. And so, and they had, they were undefeated and, and had some really talented athletes, and they had been ranked pretty highly all the season long. I think we, I just assumed Bold was going to take care of uh, Blooming Prairie, who I think was making their first appearance in the prep bowl. But Blooming Prairie was impressive. You know, they were physical and they were strong and they could – they could throw the ball more better than people uh, uh, people remember. And they had a big kid, a big tight end linebacker type who was a dominant player on the field. His name escapes me now. But I, I remember that game distinctly, watching um, old. Didn't play like underdogs at all. They played like they belonged, and they really they really proved it in that game. And then Ricori, they were going up against SMB and all their superstars, and they pulled it out in the second half. I think got a two-point conversion to win the game. And when uh, their quarterback, you know, threw a strike, who wasn't known as a throwing as a throwing quarterback, well, rolled out and threw a strike, um, just under the hands of a defensive back. You may have heard of him, Jalen Suggs, and into the arms of one of his receivers. And so that was about as exciting as possible. And yeah, so, yeah. When you when you go right at, you know, the man child, and and you beat him by, like you said, by about a fingernail width of space, they got that ball in. It was a pretty, yeah. pretty remarkable finish. <laughs> That was one of those ones where you you know that you've got that no cheering in the press box rule, but you can't help it. I mean, you, there's, a, there's a lot of yells. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a bias, but it's like, oh, my goodness, did you see that kind of thing? It's, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's not about cheering for a team. It's, it's the moment is incredible. It's, it's, however, you know, it wasn't incredible that, you know, I mean, and it was more incredible that they made the play to beat Suggs because that you hadn't seen that happen much. And, uh, I remember, yeah, going to Academy. I remember going to Minnehaha Academy to interview um, for their basketball team, which got a lot of notoriety as well. I went to talk to Jalen, and he was still moping around. I, I mentioned the football team, and he kind of mumbled a few words that game. And, and I asked about it, and he didn't. He just shook his head and looked away. <laughs> I thought, well, there you go. You just ruined your communication and any sort of bond you had with Jalen Suggs by bringing that up again. Um, so you could tell that that was really, really on his mind. That's how big that was. So, and it was just that moment where I don't think anybody gave Ricori much of a chance. I think they'd actually had two losses at that point, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, that was one, one, one memorable football game. It certainly was. I've talked to some of the Blooming Prairie folks. I'm excited to go there Friday, but I got to say I'm a little disappointed because they had a really, really good bakery that burned down back in January. Uh, so 
I, I'm, I'll be I'll be out of luck when it comes to getting some really good pastries in town. <laughs> well, you know what? When I was doing previews before the game, and somebody had shot me an email and said something about mentioning Blooming Prairie, and don't forget to check out the bakery in Blooming Prairie and how how everybody loved it and how award winning it was. And then to hear it burned down, what a loss for that community. That's <laughs> I mean, anytime you you lose treats like that, how terrible. Hopefully they're they're looking at rebuilding that thing because that was a a landmark that was something that you just don't replace yeah for sure for sure and you don't replace football fridays but in the south suburban they are looking to at least give people another option um i believe this this friday if i'm not mistaken and this is where uh producer paul clauda weighs in to tell us a little bit about what the south suburban conference has up its sleeve for soccer friday yeah, thanks, David. I am pinch hitting for Ron Hagstrom, who's actually trying to write a, a story advancing what that night's going to be like. But it, it does sound like there will be soccer games played at football stadiums on Friday night uh, in, the, in the void of football that you've been describing. Um, and it looks to be a one-time thing from what he's been able to figure out. And it might have something to do with what it took to reschedule some games uh, from that had originally been planned to be played later in the season when the season was going to be a little bit longer and before the, the COVID thing kind of prompted the high school league to pair the season back. So the games that would have been at the end of the season, some of them are going to be played in the first part of the season, including Friday night, where they will be playing soccer uh, under the lights um, where you'd normally expect to see those football players. Or as Ron said, instead of football, it'll be football. That's right. That's right. And there's right. only going to be there's only going to be it's still going to allow um, very few fans. I mean, there are limits, so it's not going to be packing. Man, I think 250 is the max. But you said there's some schools that are anticipating at least reaching their max limit for fans allowed. That's right. Ron mentioned the uh, Lakeville South, Lakeville North. Um, battle uh they're actually playing twice they're playing on wednesday night and then they're going to play again on friday and i think the game oh there's gonna be some bad blood friday the friday night will be at lakeville he said the uh home and home the 250 limit for fans and our people at the stadium had already been reached so i don't know if that's the case for wednesday night but hey it's friday night you know people like to get out and go see high school teams so here we go but you have to get there early if you want to be one of the lucky 250 um, because you're not going to pack them in. Dave, you had a great line when we were talking about this. What did you call it since it won't be packing them in? Friday night light, L-I-T-E. Yeah. L-I-T-E, yeah. That's a, that's just a cheap good. shot. That's all that is. <laughs> no, that was witty. That was a spur of the moment. Oh, thanks. Well, I think we're, you know, getting about close to our time limit here, are we not, Paul? I think so, unless you got some other pearls of wisdom you want to share. No, that's, that would never be me. <laughs> Yeah, time aside, I just think we're we're out of topics for the time being. So I think, <laughs> I think we're in good shape here to, to wrap it up. And uh, we'll look forward to next week when we can have our impressions from our visits to Blooming Prairie and to Ricori. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that that package, that story package we're talking about here and so shamelessly promoting, that will be available in Sunday's Star Tribune. So uh, be sure to check out not only the words, which I'm sure will be rich, but the photography, which promises to be great and, and, and a, a nice window into places in Minnesota, maybe the average metro area reader doesn't get to. So I think it'll be well worth your Sunday morning read. 
Thanks for being with us.